Hello. This week we are in our final week of the sermon series on the letter of James. This was written by uh, the brother of Jesus, James, who became the Bishop of Jerusalem during a time of great difficulty and persecution uh, in the Christian church. And so he writes to encourage them to hang in there. So here we are in the last chapter, Patience in Suffering. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until he receives the early and the late rains. You must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, beloved, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. James begins and ends with God's grace. He calls the Christians beloved and reminds them of God's great love for them. And then at the end, he ends with, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Our life as Christians is bookended by grace. In the beginning of our life, when we're baptized, we are, God's grace and love and mercy are proclaimed to us at a time before we've ever done anything to earn that. And then at the end of our life, you know, in the Catholic Church, they have a sacrament called extreme unction. And that's where in the final hours of a person's life, a priest will go. And whether that person is the Pope or a homeless person, the prayer is always the same. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. So our life at the beginning and the end is touched by God's grace. In this passage, James talks about the importance of having a long fuse, having patience. In Earl Palmer's commentary on James, he says that Christians need to have patience, and he does a little word study on that. You know, in the Greek language, you have a word, and then when you attach a prefix to it, it can sometimes totally change and alter the meaning of the word. For example, the word Gnostic means to know, to know something. When you add the prefix a, agnostic, it means to not know. That's where we get our word agnostic from. So in this passage, the word furo means fury, rage, or panic. And then, of course, there's, we have our, the pre prefixes micro and macro. You know, micro is up close, macro is far away. So the word here for patience is macrofuro, which means to be far away from fury or panic. To be far away from that. This is what he's encouraging Christians to have. This is good advice. You've probably heard it your whole life. Did your mother ever tell you when you about ready to say something and you're really mad, you should count to 10 first? 
Think before you speak, because when you speak harsh words, you can never take them back. You cannot unhurt your spouse or children or parents. Words have a tremendous power to hurt, and James says the tongue is a dangerous thing and must be controlled. Patience is a virtue, but it's not an easy one. Some years back, the Associated Press did a survey of over a thousand Americans concerning the, the presence of patience or the lack thereof in their lives. They found out that while waiting in line in an office or a store, it takes an average of 17 minutes for most people to lose their patience. Now, on the phone, on hold, it takes about nine minutes for people on hold to give up and to hang up. Women were found to be three minutes more patient than men. We knew that, right? But only three minutes? People with lower incomes and less education were more patient than those with a college education and high income. People who lived in suburbs were more patient than people who live in the city. They didn't, in the survey, include farmers. But I bet, as an occupation, farmers are right up there at the top when it comes to patience. They have to be, don't they? They plant the crops, and, and James says in the text, they wait for the early rains and the late rains. The early rains are the ones that come in spring when the crops are germinating. And then the late rains, they come right before harvest to keep everything from shriveling up. The farmer knows that he has to be patient. And it's not a passive thing. Farmers are working while they're waiting, but they know the importance of being patient. One of the most important things that parents can do in raising their children is to teach them the virtue of delayed gratification. There's a very famous uh, experiment that was begun in the 70s by a man named Walter Mischel. It's now become so classic that you can see videos of this experiment on YouTube in many places. It's the one where the psychologist has a four-year-old kid and he sits him in a room and he puts a marshmallow in front of him and a bell. And he says he's going to leave the room and if he rings the bell, he'll come back and the kid can eat the marshmallow. But he says, if you wait and don't ring the bell, just wait for me to come back, you can have two marshmallows. And so he leaves, and there's a hidden camera that's filming these kids. In the videos of the experiment, you can see the kids squirming, kicking, hiding, averting their eyes from the marshmallow, trying desperately to exercise self-control so that they can wait and get two marshmallows. Their performance varied widely. Some broke down and rang the bell within a minute. Others lasted over 15 minutes. Now this was a longitudinal study. He followed these children throughout their lives to see the effect of those who had learned delayed gratification and those who hadn't. The children who waited longer went on to get higher SAT scores, they got into better colleges, and had on an out average better adult outcomes. The children who rang the bell quickest were more likely to become bullies, they received worse teacher and parental evaluations, and 10 years on, they were more likely to have drug problems. There's a huge difference between those who learn how to be patient and those who never learn that lesson in life.
Patience produces endurance. Steadfastness, the word that we spoke about a couple weeks ago, upameno, which literally means the ability to hang in there. James knew that the Christians of his day, during the persecution by Nero, needed to have upameno, the ability to hang in there, to endure, to be steadfast. Just so happens that today we need that same quality in our life. With this pandemic, we desperately need the virtue of patience and steadfastness and endurance in our life. Robert Coles, the famous author who wrote the book The Moral Life of Children, told of a six-year-old girl who had a lot of upomeno. In the 60s, during the civil rights struggle, a federal judge had ordered New Orleans to open up its segregated public schools to African-American children. And the white parents decided that if they had to let black children in, they would not send their children to school. And they let it be known that any black children who came to school would be in for big trouble. So most of the black children stayed at home too, except Ruby Bridges. Her parents sent her to school all by herself, six years old. Every morning she walked alone through the heckling crowd to an empty school. White people lined up on both sides of the way and shook their fists at her. They threatened to do terrible things to her if she kept coming to their school. But every morning, at 10 minutes to 8, Ruby walked, head up, eyes straight ahead, straight through the mob, two U.S. Marshals in front of her and two U.S. Marshals behind her. And then she spent the day with her teachers inside the big, silent school building. Robert Coles was curious about what into the making of, of courageous children, steadfast children like Ruby Bridges. He talked to Ruby's mother, and she said, well, there's a lot of people who talk about doing good, and a lot of people who argue about what's good uh, and what's not good, but there are other folks who just put their lives on the line for what's right. Some folks just decide to hang in there. There's a word for that. In Greek, it's called upomeno. In English, it's called endurance. And then at the very end of this little letter to the early Christians, James urges them to speak straightforward, honestly. You know, he says, we just need straight talk. When John McCain was running for president, that was the name of his bus, the Straight Talk Express. James would have really liked that, because that's what, how he says Christians should talk all the time. He says, do not swear, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's echoing Jesus when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we should not swear by Jerusalem or the hair on her head or anything. Just yes and no should su suffice, as it says in the message version and since you know that he cares, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way, your language can't be used against you. 
So that's what James is, is echoing here. Do not swear. Now, now remember, as I've said before to you, when he says do not swear, he's not talking about cursing or profanity. That is something totally different. So when you say, uh, God damn you, that's cursing. That's profanity. And did you realize that when you say that, that literally is a prayer because you're addressing it to God and you're asking God to do something when you say that. The reason that we don't recognize it as a prayer is we usually forget to say amen after we're done. But uh, the fact is, is that a, that a curse is a prayer. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about when you say, I swear to God, on my mother's grave, I didn't do that, or I did do this, or I will do this. That kind of talk where you call in the authority of God to bolster your words, he said, that should be totally unnecessary because as a Christian, you should always tell the truth anyway. So you don't have a differentiation between when you're under oath and you're not under oath. Let your words all the time be yes and no and be clear and be truthful in those ways. You know, James says a lot of really important stuff in his book. As I think back over the weeks, one of the early weeks, he reminded us to not judge people by the color of their skin or by their clothes, by their wealth. That's never a way to live, to be judgmental in that way. He reminded us that faith without works is dead. He reminded us that true religion is this, to help the widows and orphans in their need. That's what it's all about, he says. That's what religion really is. And then in this week's lesson, he reminds us to be patient. Hang in there. Just know that things will not always be this way. Amen.